0: I'm one of those people who forgets things. I'm also one of those people who um, likes a really good deal. I want to find the best deal, and when I hear somebody talking about something that's a really good product, I go, oh, I'm gonna find a version of that that's cheap. (laughs) And so you can find things like a pair of oaky sunglasses, or an e-watch instead of an i-watch, or you can find all kinds of things that are knock-off brands of things and you can spend a lot less money and it never lives up to the hype that I heard about how great these products are. Right, because when, when you hear somebody speaking the praise of some product, something that they have really enjoyed using, something that has been very valuable to them or helpful to them, then you go, okay, that sounds great, I'd like one of those too. But I don't want to spend the money on that, and so I'm going to get this cheaper version instead. And it just is never the same as what they were talking about. This morning, we want to look at this psalm, Psalm 96. And what I want you to see is that God is worthy of our praise. He's not some knockoff. God is worthy of our praise. And so it begins in Psalm 96, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. That's why we came, right? We came here this morning so that we could sing. And some of you, uh, like me, think um, I'm not the best singer. There's a reason that they mute my mic when we're doing the singing part right? Because my, my, my vocals across the speakers would not be as helpful for you finding the right notes to sing along the way. But I love to sing anyway. I love to sing the praises of our God, and I love to be in a group like this where we are being called by God to sing his praises, to sing his praises. We don't, we don't get told to just come and stand his praises, right? We don't get told to come and put up with his praises or listen to his praises, but we're come to sing his praises. And so I just want to encourage you that whether or not you feel like you are a qualified or competent or even tolerable singer, sing out. Sing out. I love to hear the different people singing around me. Not because, I I mean, there are a couple of you that I love to hear you singing just because I would love to hear you sing anytime, anywhere. But I want to hear all of you singing. And I want to hear all of you singing because then I know they're participating. Right? It doesn't have to do with the quality of the singing. It has to do with the participation that we together as a community are gathered in this place so that we can sing. Because we have a God who is worthy to sing about and who is worthy to sing to. You see that? We're not just here gathering together, singing about God. We are actually singing to God. He's the audience. The people around you aren't the audience. The person in front of you isn't the audience. The person behind you isn't the audience. The the audience for your singing when we come to worship on Sunday mornings is God. We sing to the Lord a new song we sing to the Lord a new song. Sometimes it's more difficult to sing the new songs. The old songs are very easy to sing. I know them well. I can almost sing them without looking at the words at all. If you put up the wrong slide, I'll just keep right on going because I know the old songs. But the new songs are great too. Sometimes you just have to have new melodies to old words. That's actually what this psalm is. Much of this psalm is used in other places too, and they've just put a new melody to it that unfortunately we don't have the old melody or the new melody. But I'm sure that the congregation, as they started to sing this song, they got together and they sang this song and they went, wait, these are different notes. And the words are a little bit different. They have them in a little bit different places, but this is very familiar to us. The words here are very familiar to us. And, And that's how sometimes our singing is too, right? That we get together and we go, oh, these are very familiar. Not because I know this particular song, but I know songs like this one. Or I know a version of this song. And so we are encouraged, oh, sing Congregation of God's people, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord. All the earth sing to the Lord. This psalmist is not um, being particular in who's he, who he's asking to sing, right? He's encouraging you to sing. He's encouraging your neighbor to sing. He's encouraging the person behind you to sing. He's encouraging everybody everywhere to sing. All the earth sing. Sing. Because we have a God who is worthy of praise. He is worthy of singing about. He is worthy of singing to. And so if you are hesitant in your singing, if you're feeling self-conscious about it, don't. Don't worry about that. Because the one to whom you are singing to loves to hear you sing. Loves to hear you sing sing to the lord verse 2 bless his name tell of his salvation from day to day sing to the lord and bless his name how great is our god yahweh the lord the creator of heaven and earth how great is he and so we sing his praise and we sing to him lord you are good We tell of his salvation from day to day. Look at how God has saved us. Look at how God has saved us. And we can sing about his salvation from day to day. The Israelites at this time could sing about the salvation of God when he delivered them out of Egypt and brought them into a new land, a promised land that was flowing with blessings. And we can sing of, to God and praise him and tell of the great things that he has done for us and the way that he has carried us through. And we can sing and we can talk about the great things that God has done for us in Jesus. And we could say, all that I have ever needed, my God has provided. And every time I went through that thing that was so hard, my God carried me through. He sustained me. He was my strength and my rock. And my God has provided for all of my needs, and he has provided for them in Jesus. And so we sing. We sing. Because God loves it when we sing, and because he has done so much for for us, he is worthy of our praise. If you've ever had somebody do something for you that they, they saved you, maybe... Maybe it was a a big saving. They pulled you out of the way when something very big was coming through and you would have been flattened. They yanked you out of the pool when otherwise you would have drowned. They provided when you were in desperate need. Or maybe they were just there and comforting you at a time when you were at a very low place in your life and it seemed like everybody was against you. And you just thank them you're so appreciative of them so thank you for doing that it's fine i did it's fine no really it was significant in my life thank you for what you did our god loves for us to sing his praises for the things that he has done for us. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Talk about it. We, we come here and we sing to him, we, we sing praises to our God, and then we go out and we declare, we proclaim how great our God is. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. We tell people, do you want to know what my God has done? Do you want to know what my God has done? I want to tell you what my God has done. My God has carried me through. I was so wrecked. My life was a mess. I had sin in my life that I didn't know how to deal with. I had the consequences of those sins in my life that I didn't know what to do about. And my God cleansed me and washed my sin away and said, you are righteous in my sight. You are righteous in my sight. Some of you have other particular stories in which you found yourself in a desperate situation and you prayed to God and you said, God, help me. And you saw God come through and carry you through. Declare it. Make it known. Tell people. Who? Everybody. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Hey, peoples! I have a great God. Now, there are some of you who don't feel comfortable doing that. You don't feel comfortable just going out and going, Hey, peoples! There is a great God and I know him. You don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, let me help you a little bit with that. Why do we do this? It is verse four, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. It is because our God has no comparison. There is no rival. There is no knockoff brand of our God. He stands alone. He is the most incredible being to have ever been and that will ever be. He is worthy of our praise. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For, verse 5, all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. You want to do a little compare and contrast? Okay. We have all these gods that exist in the world, right? All of these uh, people that say, This is my God. And he says, They are all worthless. They are all worthless. They are called a God. They are called a Savior and they are of no value because they can't do anything. They are weak and powerless. They are impotent. There's nothing there, there's no substance to them at all. They are worthless. But the Lord made the heavens. But the Lord made the heavens. Now at this time, uh, the, the Israelites were in a unique place where all the people around them, all the different people groups around them, all of the nations around them were worshiping other gods, and they were being comparing their god to all those other gods. And, and some of those people recognized, okay, you have a god, and you have a god, and you have a god, and our gods are all competing against one another, but the Israelites knew that their God was different than anybody else, than any of the other gods. They had seen the way that their God had carried them through, the way that their God had judged them, the way that their God had provided for them, the way that they had, their God had um, caused them to conquer that place. And they went, no, our God is different. Those other gods are worthless, but our God is different. Do you know today, most people recognize that those gods are worthless? They know it. They know it. They look around and they go, why should I believe in a god? Why should I believe in in gods? Look at all the gods that there have ever been in all of history. Look at all of the gods that there are still in the world that are being worshipped around the world. Why should I believe in them? They are worthless. They are worthless. They didn't create. They can't sustain. They can't save. They can't judge. Why should I believe in these gods? They are worthless. Why should I put my hope in them? I'm looking around the world. I'm seeing all these different people with all these different beliefs about who God might be or what gods there might be in the world. And I'm looking at all of them and I'm going, nope, I don't see a good one there. All of them are worthless. And it's a little bit like looking at all the knockoff brands and going, this is a lousy product. This doesn't work at all. All of them are buggy. All of them are faulty. None of them do what they say that they're supposed to do. And so they have written off all gods because they have evaluated the gods and said, they are worthless. And do you know, they are right. They look around, they see all those gods and they go, they are all worthless. They are all powerless. There's no value in worshiping them or hoping in them or trusting in them because they can't do anything. But you know what they don't know? That among all those counterfeits, There is one true God who is not powerless, who is not weak, who is not impotent, but there is one God who did create the heavens and the earth, one God who can and does save his people, one God who does sustain his people, and that God, look at this, verse 6, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Splendor and majesty are before him. The, the glory of God. So that the, the splendor and majesty are like being per- personified here as, being, as coming to his face or being before his face. They're right in his presence, the splendor and the majesty, not just of God, but just in his presence. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. If you want to find a place where there is glory and safety and strength, then you want to be in the sanctuary of God. That place of refuge and protection. That's where you want to be. You want to be in close with God. If you want to see something that is amazing and incredible, you want to be right there in God's very presence. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Therefore, verse 7, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. We had, that we were called, invited to sing our praises to God, and then to go out and declare, right? So we are praising God in our singing to him and our declaring about him and who he is. And now we have ascribing to the Lord, that that is that we are uh, giving to the Lord or uh, labeling. This is who God is. Ascribe to the Lord. O families of the people, ascribe, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. God, you are glorious. In all the world, you alone stand with, sh- with sheer glory. You alone, O Lord, have strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Come in and offer what you have. And just say, oh Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of what I have. I am bringing it and I am giving it to you. I am offering it to you because you are glorious and strong, the savior of the world, the creator and sustainer of all things. And so I come and I offer what I have to you. Worship the Lord, verse 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. When we come into the presence of the Lord, we worship him and we recognize that he is um, sanctified. He is holy. There is nothing like him. There is no imperfection in him. And that sets him apart from everything else because he is perfect. And so we come into his presence to worship him and to uh, tremble before him and to say, God, I recognize that in all the earth there is nothing like you. There are faults and flaws and defects in everything, everywhere, and in everyone, including me. And so while God is worthy of our praise, we also recognize that we are not worthy to enter into his presence. When you, when I, am singing, and I get around people who can really sing, I don't feel like I should be singing. Like I'm messing this whole thing up. Participated in a church choir one time and everybody's singing and I'm singing the tenor part because that's where I think I probably fit best and they stop us and they say, one of the tenors is trying to sing with the sopranos. I was wondering why it was so hard to hit those notes. She, the, the choir director did not point me out, but she knew who I was. And I just felt like, I, I really shouldn't be singing with these people. I really shouldn't be singing in this group. I'm just like detracting from the whole. I'm lowering everything. When I come into the presence of my God and I look at His perfect holiness, I go, I I don't deserve to be here. My presence here is messing this glory up, this holiness up. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. I am not alone when I walk into the presence of the Lord and feel unworthy of his presence. All the earth should tremble as you enter into his glory. As you walk into his presence and you see his holiness, his glory, and his strength, you should just go, I don't deserve to be here. I don't fit here. In fact, it says, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the, word, it, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. You want to know why we should praise the Lord? You want to know why he is worthy of our attention and worthy of the glory that we ascribe to him? Look at the world. Here it is. Who established this? It was the Lord. It was the Lord. He established this. It shall never be moved. What are you going to do? Who who is going to stop this world? He is the one who has established it, and he is the one who sustains it. It shall never be moved. And then it says, and he will judge the peoples with equity. He will judge them with equity. He will judge them fair and impartially. He does not give preferential treatment to some versus others. He's going to uh, judge them with equity and impartiality. And we want that. We want that. One of the knocks on those other gods is that they can't do this. And so when we see injustice in the world and when we see people who are messing this world up and getting it all wrong, who's going to come in and judge that? Who's going to come in and say, whoa, 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 this isn't right, and then put a stop to it? We hear people all the time saying, whoa, 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 this isn't right. There's long Twitter threads, Reddit chains, Like, it's all over the place. Oh, this isn't right. This isn't right. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Be really mad. I'm going to tell everybody, this isn't right. And I'm going to hope that somebody in power does something about it. I'll vote somebody into power because I think that they might be able to do something about it. They can't. They'll tell you that they can. Like false gods, they make promises that they can't keep. They don't have the power to do that. They don't have the strength to do that. They don't have the ability to do that. But we want it because we see the way that people treat other people, we see the way that people treat the earth. And we say, somebody should do something about this. Someone needs to judge this. Somebody needs to render a judgment and say what is true and right, and then they need to put an end to it. And here's what you can tell the nations. The Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Hey, everybody. I know a great God. He established the world, and at the end of time, he is going to judge it. And he's going to do it right. He's gonna do it right. He's going to judge it with equity. And all that is good shall go on, and all that is not shall be destroyed, because I have a great God. Not a false God. I have a real hope in a real God, not a false hope in a false God. You see, when when people look around and they say, look, all these gods that there are in the world, they're all worthless idols. I can't put my hope in any of them, so then what do they have? Well, what I have then is nothing. I have my own strength, my own abilities for as long as that might last, and some chance. We could call it luck, But that's what my hope is in. My strength and the chance or luck that the people around me can combine with me and we can fix it, whatever it is. And then when things take a turn and it gets beyond my abilities or I look around me and go, the people around me are not playing their part, the chance is not very good. I'd like a redeal, please. They're desperate for it. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants a real God that they can have real hope in. Because otherwise, I'm stuck with a false God or I'm stuck with me. And I'm not sure which of those is worse. so we have to say hey everybody i want you to know you don't just have to hope in you and you don't have to hope in a false god yes there are a lot of worthless gods out there but mine is not one of them mine is not one of them he has established the world he sustains the world and he will judge with equity Therefore, verse 11, let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. Just reading about this picture of all of God's creation, right? All of the nature that is around us, that is just. Itching, waiting, struggling, wanting to break forth in praise because that's how it was designed to be, to praise God so that when you see it, you say, wow, the glory of God is being praised in this creation and it's struggling like we are with the brokenness of this world. Longing to rejoice as it was designed and created to do. So that when we read Romans chapter 8, it says, For the whole of creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. All of creation is groaning. It's going, oh, how long do we have to put up with this? The ground is going, oh, how long do I have to be put up with the way that you are treating me? And the way that you are contaminating me, how long do I have to put up with this? And the trees are going, how long do we have to put up with this? And the waters and the rivers and the lakes and the oceans are going, how long do we have to put up with this? It's all groaning and waiting for the time when the Lord will come and will judge the heavens and the earth and will say, okay, all that bad stuff, we're just gonna get rid of it all. We're gonna destroy all of that. And creation is going to go, yes! (sighs) Finally, I can breathe freely. Finally, I can proclaim the praises that are due to my maker. Finally, I can be as I was designed to be. And not just creation, but we ourselves. Those of us who already know Jesus are already anticipating that we already have it in part within our hearts and we're groaning for the rest of it to take place. We groan every time there are injustices around us. We groan every time our lives do not go the way that they're supposed to go. We groan every time our bodies do not work the way that they're supposed to work. And we groan and we long for the restoration of all things. But that day is coming and we believe that it is coming. And so we say, our God is coming and he's going to do the thing. And the thing that he's going to do is judge the world with equity. And he's going to make it all right. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And we'll go, yes! (sighs) What a deep peace that will be. What a deep peace that will be. That peace that we long for. That peace that we try to manufacture by creating a a safe space in our house with a cup of coffee that we can just sit here in this place and go, I can breathe easy in this place and not think about everything else that is out there. we do the breathing exercises. And we hope that it will be sufficient as if somehow we could just exhale all of the evil that is in the world and it would be gone. That we could breathe in righteousness and exhale all of the sin that contaminates us and we would be free and at peace. waiting. We're waiting for this, that he will judge the world in righteousness and his people's in faithfulness and we recognize that when we think about that, there is a great joy and a great hope in the expectation that God is going to judge all things, but then we recall, hang on, when I'm in his presence, I tremble with fear because of the holiness differential here. So how do we still hope in his judgment that he's going to make all things right and destroy everything that is wicked and evil, but we're not going to be on the destruction side? Because when he remakes the whole world and it's all great and glorious, I'd really like to be there. I'd really like to see that and experience that and have that peace. And so we go back to Romans 8. Where in verse 31 it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You see, that day of judgment is coming, and we find ourselves on the wrong side of judgment, but we have that great God who created all things and sustains all things, who saves us. Jesus his son because he gave Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we might have the righteousness of him he pre-cleaned us what? he pre-cleaned us So before we go into the judgment and we see that differential and we tremble in fear and say, he is holy and I am not. He goes, let me take care of that first. Jesus goes, let me clean you up. I'm going to take away all of your sin. There. Okay. Yep. Okay, now let me put on robes of righteousness. I'm just going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to take off your dirty clothes of sin. <sighs> That's gross. Okay, here's my clothes of righteousness. I'm going to robe you in those. Now go into the presence of God. You get pre-cleaned. So that you are holy when you wander into the presence of God and walk in and you see him and you can go, "This is great." Because he is holy and worthy of my praise. And I can stand in his presence. And when the judgment comes, I am not concerned. Because the judgment has fallen on Jesus already. And I have been set free from that. And so we declare it to the world. Hey everybody, our God is great. He created everything. He sustains everything. He saves us. And he's going to judge the world with equity. And when you believe in him, you will get to see it. And he will cleanse you from your brokenness and your sin. And the day is coming when he is going to make all things right in the world. And now that the psalmist has laid out the entire case for why God is worthy of our praise, then now I invite you again to come into his presence, not just with fear and trembling, but with humility and saying, God, I need your forgiveness. And now we are going to sing and praise him. And then I would invite you. There are a lot of people in the world who need this hope. There are a lot of people in the world who are desperate for this. They are longing for something that they can put their hope in and they have been let down over and over and over again by the people around them, by their own inabilities, and by the false gods that they see and they're burned out on that. They need a real hope and you can offer it because we know the real God. Let's praise him now. Our Father, we thank you that you are our God in heaven who has created all things and sustains all things, who has saved us from the brokenness of our sin and who will one day judge everything completely. Lord, we praise you for this because we need that hope because we want to have that deep and abiding peace in our souls. And because we recognize that there is no one else who can do what you do. And so we praise you. And we give you glory and honor. We say that you are strong. Lord, receive our praise now. In Jesus' name, amen.